0: Amen. <clears throat> it's good to see all the moms here today. Praise God. We're going to be in the book of Second Timothy this morning. So if you go into your New Testament, more towards the end. It's not all the way at the end, but it's... It's towards the end there. So it's 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul would write to his spiritual son. He was also a young pastor. So there was two men that Paul really poured into. One would be Timothy. The other one would be Titus. So there's first the letters or books of First and Second Timothy. And then there's also the book of Titus. And so they would often... They were pastoring in these churches that Paul would start on his missionary journeys. You can see them in the book of Acts. Uh, So Corinth, Athens, um, Thessalonica, Philippi, Ephesus, Colossae. Um, So those are some of the places that they would pastor. All right. So on Easter, we, um, before Easter, we started a a series in the book of Philippians. So we're going to hit the last message here, talking about experiencing the peace of God And, you know, the peace of God, we can talk all we want about the peace of God, but if it doesn't work in times when the gas prices are high, when the groceries are costing a lot, if the peace of God can't work in those situations or when you get that report from the doctor, you know, that kind of unsettles us, if we can't experience the peace of God in those times, then what good is it? And so we're going to talk about what Paul writes about there. And we always have to remember he writes this when he's in prison. So, um He's in prison for representing Christ. So we'll come to that next Sunday. All right, today is Mother's Day, and so we're going to look at an example in the book of 2 Timothy um, that deals with Paul and it deals with Timothy, but it also deals with two other key figures that we see here in uh, chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. So Timothy would come into Paul's life, as he would be going, we call them his missionary journeys, because he goes through what was Asia then. It's modern-day Turkey. And then he'd go through the Macedonia area, uh, modern-day Greece. He would go through some of those areas. And so on one of those journeys, he comes across Timothy. And Timothy was not saved under Paul's ministry. Rather, Timothy had a faith. Okay, He had a faith, but then he meets Paul, and and then he becomes... uh, mentored by Paul and actually then becomes Paul sees worth in him and says you know what this guy could be a pastor and so then he would be a young pastor and would be in these uh, communities that uh, where Paul would start churches. Paul was a he was a soul winner he was kind of like an evangelist I don't know if he was necessarily the best pastor okay Um, he got things up and running but he was I don't know if he didn't really have those pastoral gifts he was like full speed ahead, and if you get in my way, you know, <laughs> you're going to get knocked down. That's the way Paul was, but that, that's what God needed. He needed a man that would go into difficult places and see the church started, right? Often he would have to leave town because people were wanting to kill him, all right? How many would like to be in that place, all right? I would say, I'm resigning. <laughs> people want to kill me, I'm gone, right? No, but... Um, But Paul, then he would go to the next place, and and so he had that temperament that God needed to be a pioneer and to to establish those things. So we learn that Timothy has a faith, and that's what I want us to look at. He has a spiritual heritage. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Well, we're going to see that in our our, uh, passage of Scripture here today. So uh, before we read it, let's look to the Lord in prayer and just ask God's blessing. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God that speaks to our lives today. Lord, it's no more than words on a page. It is the living Word of God, and I pray that, with for each person here, Lord, there is a specific word that reaches out to them and and uh, that brings transformation and change within our lives. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Verse one, Second Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Okay, it wasn't just by choice; it was by God's will. God reached out to him. And that's found in the book of Acts. In keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son. So Timothy is not his, his blood, right? Uh, not his son by blood. He, but he, Paul sees him as a spiritual son. Somebody he has poured into and raised up to be a spiritual leader. Okay? Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a clear conscience night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. So there is definitely um, just, he sees them as his own family, right? Okay. Verse five, key verse there. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, and some translations have genuine faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother. Who? Eunice. Eunice. And I am persuaded now also lives in you. So we've entitled the message from generation to generation. So you see three generations there, right? Grandmother, mother, son, right? For this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God that he has given us has not made us timid or fearful, okay? But it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. So, um, again, Paul talks about his suffering. And so who wants to be around somebody, you know, be a social? Oh, that person's in prison, right? I don't want to be their friend. Hopefully you're a better friend than that. But that's not always, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, all my good friends are in prison. You know, it's just kind of like you don't want to associate with them. And Paul was running into that. People were disowning him because... He is suffering or he's in prison because of his testimony of Christ. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel, for the power, by the power of God. For he has saved us and he's called us to holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality and light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald, one who would proclaim the gospel, and an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That's a good verse to underline. There's a hymn. How many know that old hymn that is that is based upon that verse of scripture. I was going through this and it just, those words just popped into my mind, but it's a great hymn. I think it's called, I Know Whom I Have Believing. Um, but Paul is saying, I can trust God with my life and the things that I've invested in. What you've heard me keep as a partner, as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Guard it, with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen? So I want to kind of go back and hit a few points that come from our passage. And Paul challenges us to do a few things. And first of all, he challenges us to possess a genuine faith. And that really comes home in verse 5. To possess a genuine faith or a sincere faith, right? Um, depends on the translation, but it really means to have a faith without hypocrisy hypocrisy. You ever use that word hypocrisy? I I hear it a lot more now than I used to hear it, and we, we sometimes maybe use it in reference to those that are in political office, right? And we do have elections coming up very quickly. Is that this week, right? We have elections this week. So if you don't know who you're voting for or what they stand for, that would be a good time to really get in there. Uh, American Family Alliance has a you can take a survey and they tell you where people stand on such things as abortion. That's a hot topic right now, right? Abortion and just parental rights. Uh, some of the things that I think as a believer in Christ we need to know, gambling and things like that. So um, I would point you to that resource. So, um, All right. But it means to be without hypocrisy. In other words, it's transparent and it's real. And if there's one... If there's one thing that I hear from the younger generation, so we've got some young men here and young ladies, if there's s- something I hear from the younger generations that is a turn-off to them concerning the church, and I use that term church not in the reference to Radiant Springs Church per se, but the church nationally, worldwide, right? So that includes all denominations and, and whatever you can put into there, but the church. If there's one thing that I hear from those younger generation that turns them off, towards God and the church, it is hypocrisy. They see one thing on Sunday morning, they see something else at work or at school throughout the week, right? There isn't the consistency between what they see maybe at those good moments and what they see at home or what they see at work or out in the community. You following me? Hypocrisy means um, to not have hypocrisy or a genuine faith would mean that what people see in your life here on Sunday is the same as what they see at home or at work throughout the week. Amen. I got an amen there, right? All right. You know what? And I, I, as a pastor, I, I know all too well that what I sometimes see on Sunday morning is not what happens on the week, okay? And I hope you don't take that as an off offensive, but isn't that the truth? And it even falls true for pastors. Sometimes what pa- you see in a pastor's life okay, isn't always what happens throughout the week. And we see that sometimes in the newspapers as well, okay? So when I say that, I'm not just, you know, excluding pastors or people in ministry. We all should live a life that is genuine and sincere faith, possess a genuine faith, all right? Um, all right, I'm going to catch up with my my notes here. So one of the illustrations from Scripture is called the parable that Jesus gives. It's found in Luke, I believe, chapter 10, I thought I had it in here, but it's, it's in the Gospel of Luke, and it's the Good Samaritan. How many know the Good Samaritan, right? So a man, a Jewish man, gets beaten up on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. So Jerusalem was up in the hill country. Jericho was down by the Jordan River. So jo- Jericho would be that town that would be conquered when Joshua would come into the Promised Land, right? So he's coming down from Jerusalem, it says, um, because it, it's elevation thing. He's actually heading east, but he's going down from Jerusalem. And while he's doing that, he gets attacked by bandits, by robbers. And they beat this man up. They take all his possessions, and they go. And they leave him dying on this road, right? And so the first person to come by is a priest, right? Wow. How lucky is that man to have a priest? The first person to come by is the priest, right? The minister, right? All right. And so he comes by, and that man, what does he do? Oh, there he is. I'm going to go by on this side. All right. Well, fortunately, a Levite follows. He also serves in the religious area, right? Seen as one of God's chosen people. And he comes by, and he sees the man there on his last leg, right? We use that term, right? But he's bleeding. He's dying, groaning, moaning. And what does the guy do? he goes by on the other side as well, right? This man's going to die. And then all of a sudden the third person comes by and he is a Samaritan. he's a Samaritan. Now the Samaritans and the Jewish people they 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 didn't hang out together, all right? The Samaritans were a mixed breed when they had been conquered at one point, Israel had been conquered, they intermarried and so you have Gentile and Jewish blood mingled together. And so the Jewish people really saw the Samaritans, they would even call them dogs. You know, that was just kind of rude, right? And um, in fact, when they would go through Samaria, which was in the northern part of Israel, they didn't go through Samaria, they went around Samaria. So John chapter 4, the woman at the well, Jesus goes through Samaria, and it's one of the most powerful conversions that we see in the Gospels as Jesus leads this woman to the Lord um, that had several husbands, and the one that she was with wasn't her husband, and I mean the long list, but God reaches out to her, not only does she come to know Christ, but she leads many in her community to Christ, all right? So, the good Samaritan sees the man there, and he takes pity on the man, right? Bandages up his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him into town, finds a motel for him, and he does what? He says, I'm going to pay his bill, and I'm going to give you money in advance, and I'll come back, and if I owe you anything, I'll pay you back. Isn't that crazy? Here was somebody that normally would ignore him and not reach out to him, but this man had it in his heart to reach out to him. Now, Jesus, the question that led up to this is they asked, who is my neighbor? The, the religious leaders and the people of the law, they wanted to know who my neighbor was. So who should I help out and who shouldn't I help out, Right? And so Jesus told this parable of the Good Samaritan. And that made people quiet because they realized that anybody that I come in contact with is my neighbor. And I should reach out to them, right? And so out of all these people, who lived a life without hypocrisy? The Good Samaritan, right? And so you had the religious, you had the Levite, you had the priest; They were seen as spiritual and pious and religious on the outside but they didn't live it in a moment that it was crucial. Amen? And so there was hypocrisy there. God calls us to possess a genuine, a sincere faith. Amen? All right. Secondly, Paul calls us to pass our faith on to the next generation. So some Christians are first generation. What do I mean by first generation? It means that you are the first one in your family to accept Christ. You didn't have a mom or dad or a grandma or grandpa that were Christians. You are first generations. You know what? In first generation, Christians are the most powerful Christians because you experience God usually in a powerful way. And so there is a lot of, there's a fire in your life, what God has done in your life. Where the second and third generation, their faith is inherited to some degree. And so they have to, I always tell my kids, is that you have to discover your own faith. It's great, we passed it on to you, but it has to also become your own. And uh, my faith isn't going to get my kids into heaven. Okay? They have to know their own relationship with Christ. But we see in this that Timothy's faith came not from Paul, but it came from his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. They had poured into his life, and they had raised him up in the ways of God. So then when Paul comes on the scene, it's kind of like, hey, here's a nice young guy for ministry, and he, he follows that path. Pass that faith onto the next generation. How do you do that? How do you pass your faith onto the next generation? Do you make out a certificate and say, hey, I'm passing it on like a will or inheritance, right? Eh, I don't think that's going to work. How does that work? How, as a mom or dad, think, think of Jacobed. Now, who is Jacobed? If I throw that name out there, who's Jacobed? She was the mother of Old Testament. He parts the Red Seas. Moses. Yeah. You know what? She trusts God with her baby, puts him in the Nile River with crocodiles. God spares him. And she is, he is nursed by Pharaoh's daughter. But also... Well, she's taken care of, Moses is taken care of by Pharaoh's daughter, but actually Jochebed is the one that gets to nurse him. And during those those that month or maybe a year or two while she nursed her son, she was able to pour into him the things of God for those for that time and season. And then she had to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, but she had that moment and that time to be with him. Um, Lois and Eunice poured into the life of Timothy. So it means, I, I, I just think of ways that we've done it as a family where, Having those family devotions. What's family devotions? Well, it means finding that time, whether it's in the morning or evening, um, where you just sit around and you maybe, you know, we got so many things, tools today where you can have a devotional on your phone and you just read through the devotional, uh, scripture, maybe a a thought with that, and then you pray together, pray for needs. Maybe it's when you tuck your kid into bed at night, you have that bedtime prayer, right? And uh, sometimes some neat conversations come up in those moments we 've learned that with some of our sons, some of them are talkative all the time, but there 's one son specifically, and he knows which one he is he 'll call us like at nine thirty right when we 're ready to go to bed, and he 'll just talk 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 talk, talk right um, And we sometimes have some very valuable conversations. I just know growing up, my mom and she 'll maybe i don 't know if she 's watching now she 's probably not watching now, but she 'll watch it later. But I remember before we would head off to school, she always had that devotional time where she would read a passage of scripture. It wasn't anything long, but she had that passage of scripture, and she would pray with us before we headed out the door, you know? And when you go to school, especially public school, you're encountered with all sorts of bad words and languages and jokes, and it's not always in the most pure environment, right? And... What an opportunity to send your kid off and just pray God's blessing over them and God's protection over their life before they begin the day. That's one way. Bringing them to church, I think, is so powerful. Um, Church does not save you, but you're putting yourself and your family in a place where we can hear from God and we can grow in the ways of the Lord, right? There's a lot of different ways of doing that. And um, pass your faith on to the next generation. It's a great responsibility that you have as a mom and dad. Number three, steward the gift of God within you. This is found in verses um, 6 and 7. And he tells Timothy, he goes, I want you to remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God within you. Okay, we prayed for you. And so he's talking about a ministry gift here. He's not just talking maybe about the gift of salvation, but he's talking about that you've been called to be a pastor Okay, and, and Paul sensed that calling upon his life and he says, I want you to fan and to flame that gift. I think Timothy was not this bold, courageous guy like Paul was. Timothy had a lot of great attributes, okay? But he maybe was a little bit on the timid side, a little bit on the cautious side, okay? And I can identify with Timothy. And when you read through that passage that we just read through, we see that there was suffering, there was persecution that was accompanying the gospel. If you were going to live for Christ, that might mean that somebody's going to egg your house, or it might mean that somebody's going to do something physically wrong to you, right? And so to take more of a timid or undercover or under-the-radar approach would be tempting. And Paul was saying, hey, I want you not to be timid. I don't want you to be cautious. I want you to still be bold about your faith because there's people that need to hear the gospel. Amen? So he says, fan and deflame the gift of God. I use that word steward there, steward the gift of God, because a steward was a person that was in charge of a wealthy person's assets. All right, so they would take care of the servants. They'd take care of the livestock, the, the running of the home or the estate. They would take care of it all. It was their responsibility. Did they own any of it? No, it wasn't theirs. They were a steward of what they'd been entrusted with. The gift of God within you, your salvation, the gifts that God has given you, whether it's talents, do those belong to you? Well, they're in you, but they technically don't belong to you. God placed them there when you were created and formed, right? He's given those gifts to you. You are to be a good steward of them. And so the metaphor that, that Paul gives us is to fan and to flame the gift of God within him. Now, how many like being around the fire pit? That is one of my favorite things. We got one in our backyard. You know, and you start up the fire, and usually when I start, I got all these little branches, and there's some big ones in there, but it's like, ooh, you know, it's kind of like, I hope the police don't drive by at this moment and this time. All right? <clears throat> and it's kind of high, but you know what? That only lasts for a few minutes, and then it then it dies down to a nice fire, and then you get the nice coals. so that's good for doing your hot dogs or your s'mores, right? And uh, that's a good thing, but before long, all of a sudden, it can even turn black because there's coals there, but the ashes are covering it all up, right? It's still hot. You get down in there, right? But every fire goes out over time. It does. It goes out over time. You don't even have to do anything wrong. You just have to do nothing. You know what? The fire in your own life, you don't have to go out there and live a sinful life. Now, that won't be good for your faith, Okay? That's like pouring water on the fire when you go out there and do all sorts of bad stuff. You're dousing the flame of God in your life. But you say, "What? Well, I'm not doing any of that. Great. But if you do nothing, it's like you're just progressing that because it's, the fire is going to go out, folks. We have to fan and flame the gift of God within our own life. And that was Paul's word to Timothy. And so what I've learned in the fire pit, you know, the coals are there. They're still there. You kind of take a poker and get... You know, kind of stir it up a little bit, put some fresh word on there, and guess what happens? Boom. Right? It takes right back off again. And that's what we have. We have to maintain the gift of God within our own life. How do we do that? We have that encounter service coming up. Those are opportunities. Being in church on Sunday, having devotions in your home and family. Did I already already, already say all that? Yes, I did, didn't I? Right? Okay, but but it's true. That's how we maintain that fire. That's how we don't read our Bible and do things like that just so we can check a box. It's necessary to walk in a relationship with our Lord and our Savior. You can't have a relationship with your friend or with your spouse and never communicate, okay? Now, you can maybe stay married, but I'd really like to see how that relationship works, okay? Okay. Because to me, it's not going to probably happen, you know. Or if you lived in one place and your spouse lives in another place and you never see each other, you could technically be married, right? But if you don't communicate, there's not going to be much of a relationship there, right? It's the same with our Lord and our Savior that we have to maintain that. We do that through prayer, through God's Word. He speaks to us. We walk with Him. That's how we can experience His peace. That's how we can experience His guidance. Um, that's how we can fan and to flame the gift of God within us. All right? All you have to do, though, for that fire to go out is don't pray, don't read your Bible, don't go to church. And I've seen it happen more than I want to count the fire goes out. And there's only so much I can do as a pastor. We have to maintain the fire within our own life. I have to maintain the fire within my own life, right, just as you do, okay? All right. Number four. Am I already at number four? I actually have a number four. This is the bonus point, okay? Bonus point. Everybody say, woo! All right, bonus point. Guard what God has entrusted to you. Guard what God has entrusted to you. Now, Paul says, you know what? I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that I am convinced or persuaded that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. What is he talking about? Well, he's invested in a lot of lives, Timothy being one of them. But he's poured into Titus and a lot of people he's led to Christ. The church in Philippi, we've talked about that here in the last month or two. He's invested in a lot of people. But he knows, in 2 Timothy, we know that this is the last letter he writes and that at some point there he is executed and he's killed for his faith. He wouldn't be there anymore to guard the deposit he'd placed in in people's lives right? It's like putting money in a bank. He had invested into them. That's what you do as a mom and dad, right? You invest in your children, whether it's the things of God or just how to cook an egg on a stove, right? Or how to get dressed, how to do the clothes, right? And the laundry, right? You invest in them, right? You teach them things. But there's going to be a time you're not going to be able to do that anymore, especially once they get out of the house. You have a little more say when they're in the house, but when they're out of the house, Hopefully they're not 25 or 26 when they're still in the house, you know. Um, That does happen in our day and age. But when they're under your care, you're able to pour into their life more. But once they leave the house, they become adults, they make their own decisions. Then you have to trust God with that deposit you've made in their lives, amen? Um, I was talking with a lady this week, and she said, you know the thing? that I worry about the most is my kids and my grandkids. She doesn't know how many days she has left, weeks, months. But she says that's the thing that worries me the most. And I actually was preparing for this, and we prayed that prayer together that that God will watch over the investment and the people that she cares about. Amen? God is able to guard that which we've committed to him. And I think Paul's main concern here in speaking to Timothy, he says God is able to guard what I've entrusted to him. But then he challenges Timothy to guard that which, with what he's been entrusted with, sound teaching and the mentoring that Paul has poured into his life. And he goes, guard what I've given you. Why? Because there's false teaching out there. There's people that are going to try to make you ineffective. He says, guard what has been entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit, verse 14, that has been entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, false teaching and temptations often can be, they, sometimes they can be blatant, right? Okay, and I'm, I'm just going to be very honest. Most guys aren't going to have an affair with somebody that just comes out of nowhere and says, hey, let's go, why don't you go s- sleep with me or whatever, okay? Usually that's not what happens. Usually it's a little more subtle, there's the relationship that develops at work or wherever, and that's where the temptation begins. It's subtle. Now, did you know that in America today, even in the United States, $70 million, they estimate, is in circulation of false currency? Fake money, $70 million. Now, people, if you took monopoly money to the bank or to Walmart, would that work? Would it work? No. You'd you'd probably get laughed at, right? I don't even think they'll arrest you. They'll just kind of like, oh, that's a good one, right? Right? You know, and that term wood nickel. Anybody make a wood nickel? So back in the days, you know, you could fake a nickel, you know, and if it was the same weight and the same dimensions, that's where the wood nickel comes from. But counterfeit money is able to be circulated because it looks the same, it feels the same, right? And so it's able to be It has to be good enough, it becomes counterfeit. And I just think about that in our own culture today, even with what God has entrusted to us, that we have to be good stewards of his teaching and to go to God's word because sometimes there's teachings out there sometimes we can be led astray by things that sound good and look good. My folks got a call this week, I think it was on Friday, and he gets a call from this guy. And my mom says, Yeah, no, there was somebody out there with a white wand in our yard. And then he gets a call f- about half an hour later and says, Hey, you're overdue on your natural gas bill. And if you don't pay it in 30 minutes, we're going to cut you off. And he goes, oh, That just didn't make sense. And the guy was just really forceful. And my dad says, Well, that just doesn't sound right. And so the guy hung up the phone and he went to the office that was in Mitchell, South Dakota. And, uh, contacted them and the lady says it's a scam it's a scam and uh i guess several people had already been scammed out of thousands of dollars by that same thing we have to know what we have we believe right and depend upon the holy spirit at the book end of uh, second timothy here this short letter um Chapter 4, if you have, you want to go there, you can. Chapter 4, verse 9. Paul tells Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he has loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas was, you'll, you'll see that if you look in the book of Philemon and Colossians, he was a partner with Paul. He was valuable to the ministry. But something happened in Demas' life. And he, the greed, the things of this world got the best of him, and he, and he deserted Paul in a difficult moment. He left to pursue other things. So there's two things that we want to, under this point, this bonus point here, is first we must guard the deposit placed within our lives um, by others. Whether it's from reading God's Word or the teachings that we hear on Sunday, the lessons from small group or that you receive from your mom and dad, guard what has been placed within your life. Steward that gift, all right, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, also be confident that what you've invested in the lives of others, maybe as a mom or a dad, mentor, a teacher, a friend, trust that God is going to bring that to fruition and that he's going to guard what you've entrusted. I think as a mom and dad, that's one of the hardest things is you raise your children And then he let them go, right? They fly away. And to trust that God is going to work out his salvation in their life. And we have to trust God with that. And that is not always an easy thing to do. Says a dad who has two, has three adult children now. So, but God is faithful, amen? I'm going to have the musicians come. As a Christian mom or dad, our goal should be to pass our faith on to the next generation, whether they're young and under our roof, where we can speak directly into our life or even when they become adults. Um, but as Rebecca shared, the time to be poured into their life is when they're, they're young. Proverbs talks about that if you raise them up in the ways of the Lord, when they are old, they won't depart from it. They may wander. They may wander, but the prayer, the proverb is that usually they'll come back. Amen? Usually they'll come back. How many have you wandered? How many of you were raised in a godly home, but you wandered? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're here, you come back, right? See, there's hope. When they're young, raise them up in the ways of the Lord when they get old the general rule, proverb isn't a promise but it's a general rule that 99% of the time they'll come back amen and i believe those are things that we can pray amen this is a beautiful passage just of talking about the the heritage that Timothy had by his grandmother and his mother mom's you play a crucial role I know, sometimes in the thick of it, changing diapers and kids crying and sometimes a lot of dishes, maybe a lot of clothes to do, kids fighting. It's kind of like, man, is it worth it? Am I making a difference? Yeah, you are. And even in the thick of it, God is able to be there to to help you, to give you wisdom and, and strength. I think there's so much wisdom that is needed for a parent. If you enter into parenthood and you think you'd have it all figured out, I don't know. That wasn't me. Maybe I went into it going that way, but it was that, that picture was <laughs> quickly shattered, okay? <laughs> quickly shattered. We need God's help, amen. Would you stand this morning? I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of salvation, first of all, but also just a prayer of blessing blessing over, over our moms and our families here. And when I talk about prayer of salvation, if you've never, maybe you've invited Christ in your life, but today, I say, I need to get back. That flame died out, but I sense God founding that flame back into my life again. I just want to reaffirm my faith in Christ. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer, but God says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of our unrighteousness, and to come into our heart and our life. So I just invite you to pray with me this morning That then I'm going to have a prayer over just the families here this morning. So let's pray together saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my wandering. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I give you the thanks. I give you the praise. Amen. And Father, this morning, I pray over every family represented here, every mom, every dad. And Father, I pray your Holy Spirit just to be upon their home and their family and that we can raise up the next generation to know your ways, Lord God. There's never any promises, but Lord God, that you can allow us to do the best, Lord God. And I know there's people here that just didn't have that foundation growing up. And and, uh, and so some of this is all new, but God is able to help us. He's able to lead and direct us to give us the tools that we need to raise up that next generation. So, Lord, I just ask your blessing upon every mom here today and every dad. Just let your presence and your glory be upon them their life. Give them a great day, and, uh, but more importantly, just be with us today, tomorrow, and the remainder of this year. Just walk before us. Let your spirit be there. We give you the thanks and the praise. your name we ask, amen. And would you just, if you could keep your eyes closed, just one for one more, few more seconds. But if you prayed that prayer for the first time today or just you meant that salvation prayer, and you meant it with all your heart, would you just look at me right now and say, yes, that was me, okay? Amen. Any others? Amen. Okay? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Several of you. Amen. Praise God. Um, we want to help as a church we want to help you whether it's Pastor Andy myself others we want to help you this morning amen amen praise God we're going to close with that song we sang earlier because I just think it just talks about the fire it just talks about our families would you declare that over your home and your family today and uh, just make that your prayer amen amen, amen. you know you know One of our values is healthy families, and that means raising up the next generation to walk in the ways of the Lord. And I know maybe you were raised in a Christian home, maybe you weren't. And just because you grew up in a Christian home doesn't mean that you know how to raise up that next generation. But my folks both came from homes, they had alcoholic fathers. They were dysfunctional, there was abuse, things were not perfect. But God reached out to them in different ways. And and so when they started their home, they they wanted to have a Christian family. So they, I mean, we were always in church. Um, We were part of the Wednesday night activities. We had devotions. Those things were all new for them, folks. They didn't have a track record of being raised that way. That was all new ground for them. And I just want to encourage you that maybe some of that is new to you. But God can help you, and you got a church here that loves you and will help you in that process, Um, but guide and direct you. You know, um, Andy and Lizzie are both working in different places this morning. You know, but I know for Andy, some of those things just weren't there. And uh, now that they have their first daughter, uh, he's just taking that so seriously. Is He doing everything perfect? No, I think he's, he's, they're probably both learning as they go, right? But there's some they are taking pretty seriously. And uh, God can help you out as well. Amen? So I just want to encourage you. Father, we just thank You for Your people. Go with us as we celebrate moms today and, and have a great time with them. And I just um, pray that um, we can, sh- if our moms are still living, that we can reach out to them and and in love and just encourage them. And Lord, even sometimes maybe there's been a falling out, Lord God. Maybe today is the day we make that call and just bridge that gap, Lord God. Extend grace. Start up a relationship that maybe has stopped for whatever reason. And so Lord God, bless our moms today. Bless our families. Go with us this week. We give you the praise and the glory. In your name we ask, amen. Hey god bless this morning greet each other as you leave